1: Thanks for joining us again for Political Rewind today. We come to the end of another consequential week in the story of the coronavirus and how it's affecting the state of Georgia and the country at large. Before I introduce what is a powerhouse panel to talk about uh, the issues of the day, I want to give you just the latest information about the virus in Georgia Uh, We now have 643 confirmed cases. That's up 256 cases from just yesterday. These figures reported out at 7 o'clock last night, as as the state has been doing. Uh, We're now up to 56 deaths, I'm very sorry to say, nine since yesterday. There are 509 people hospitalized, 71 since uh, yesterday. And uh, the the pattern continues to be Metro Atlanta is where the uh, predominant numbers of the cases are. But Doherty County and Albany are really struggling. Uh, There's some some information that comes out of there beyond the actual numbers. Yesterday, two local first responders in Doherty County were tested positive for the virus. Uh, we are told by the city that hospital staff at Putney at Phoebe Putney Medical Center are, are falling ill. The number of confirmed cases of patients continues to grow. Doherty County School System reported on Thursday they now have six employees and a second grade student who tested positive for the virus. Albany Mayor Bo Duro uh, uh, said uh, it's been a difficult day so far, uh, and he's continues his concerns about how the area is going to deal with coronavirus. Um, all that said, let me get to the panel and begin talking about the stories that are making news right now. We're very pleased that the Speaker of the Georgia House, David Ralston, is joining us. Um, Mr. Speaker, thank you so much. I, I assume you're safely—are you up, up in, in, in your home, or are you down here at the Capitol? I hope you've been sheltering in place.
2: I have been sheltering in place, uh, and, and, uh, I, I went into, a um, self-quarantine, uh, 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 isolation mode, uh, a week ago this past, uh, Tuesday. Uh, I've actually been sheltering, um, uh, in Atlanta, uh, because I didn't want to expose family members, uh, to anything that I might've had. And, uh, Uh, So I'm getting kind of tired of being alone and away from them, and hopefully I'll get back to uh, Blue Ridge uh, next week where I'll also be under a shelter-in-place policy.
1: Um, Well, um, we're very uh, glad you could join us today and sorry that you, like so many people, across the state are having to take these kind of extreme actions to protect yourselves and and all of the rest of us. But thank you for joining us. By the way, Tom Faust says that I said there were 643 confirmed cases of the virus. Of course, it's 1,643 cases. Let me make that correction right away. Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the AJC, is with us today. Jim, uh, we we know we, we read you on Wednesdays and Sundays uh in the uh dead tree edition of the paper and you oversee the political insider blog glad you could be with us as you almost always are on Fridays
0: no it's it's uh look it's bright and sunny outside uh i wish i could take a nice walk yeah <laughs>
1: michael thurman CEO of DeKalb County and somebody. If we listed all the positions he's held in state government in the legislature, uh, we would spend the next fifteen minutes doing that. So let me just say, Michael Thurman, we're very happy that you could join us as well too. Thanks for being here, Mike. Uh,
3: Thank
4: you, Bill. And I'm truly honored to be on with the uh, illustrious speaker of the Georgia House.
1: And, and Sam Olin's is with us as well. Sam, of course, the former attorney general of the state of Georgia. Before that, the chairman of the Cobb County Commission and uh, now a partner at Denton's, the world's largest law firm. How are you holding up, Sam?
3: Doing fine. My wife and I are both remotely working at the same table and, and everything is still fine.
1: Good. I'm very glad to hear that as well. All right, let's get talking about uh, uh, the news. In, in a minute, uh, Speaker Rawson made pretty big news yesterday, uh, and we want to talk to him about uh, what you had to say, Mr. Speaker, about Georgia's primary election, and we'll do that in just a moment. But but I think we really need to start uh, by t- by discussing this unprecedented town meeting that Governor Kemp And Kathleen Toomey and others in the administration were part of last night, broadcast by virtually every TV station in the state, many radio stations as well. Um, And and in that show, the governor once again repeated that he believes that we do not have to uh, issue an order to shelter in place for the entire state. He feels that it can be done on a county-by-county basis, depending on where the virus is and where it isn't um so let me if i may mr speaker you at the very beginning of this week uh, made it clear that you would support the governor if he chose to ask the entire state to shelter in place Uh, how do you feel about the fact that he again last night repeated that he wants to allow local jurisdictions to make the decisions themselves
2: Well, I uh, I did publicly say, and I I expressed to the governor my own belief uh, that I had come to over the past over a couple of days before that time that a statewide policy was um, uh, was the preferable way to go. Uh, I I still feel as strongly now as I did then that that's the, uh, the the right path. Um, however, having said that, uh, uh, I also said the governor chose a different path and uh, I don't believe that this is the time for us to get into a public debate over, uh, you know, what's the best policy to take. Uh, he is, he's, he has made his decision and, uh, although I would have made a different decision, uh, uh, I support, um, uh, what he's doing, uh. Uh, I, I think we could still be headed toward a statewide uh, policy. I think that's the most uh, aggressive way at getting at uh, at flattening the curve and getting us uh, on the other side of this uh, uh, horrific problem.
1: Um, Mike Thurman, you're struggling with this as the uh, head of Decab County. Uh, and you're making individual decisions for your county alone. Are you comfortable having that power uh, by yourself and and with the leadership of your county to make those choices? Or do you, in fact, believe it would be best if the governor issued a mandate that covered everybody?
4: Well, first of all, I want to thank the speaker for the position that he's taken on this uh, and appreciate the leadership. Uh, Clearly... Uh, this is a statewide crisis. Uh, I understand the debate and and the angst associated with issuing a blanket shelter in place. So what we've been doing as in a local elected official, uh, I've been in contact with my municipal leaders. Uh, I've also met uh, at the call of June Wood, who is the uh, chair of uh, Henry County. I've met and had conversations with Jeff. Charlotte, Nash, and Gwinnett. So what we are struggling with, but what we are trying to overcome is to coordinate our efforts. Let me tell you what the challenge is. Uh, I live here at Stone Mountain. I'm a half a mile from the Gwinnett County border. So any order that I issue, uh, if it's not coordinated with Gwinnett, if I shut down every restaurant and get up I, 10 minutes away, I can uh, be at a Longhorns in Gwinnett County. So that's the challenge when you have the patchwork making, but we do the best we can with
1: the resources that we have. You, uh, uh, I think in the last two days, uh, did declare a state of emergency for DeKalb County. It limited public gatherings. I I think you're following the 10-person rule. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And you put restrictions on restaurants, and in fact, you also issued a curfew from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., let me start with that. How is a curfew? I've never quite understood how a curfew helps contain the virus. Hel- help me with that one as a starting point.
4: Well, the, the thought behind it, of course, is to restrict or at least not some prohibit non-essential travel of people going and engaging in activities that are not essential. One of the things that's overlooked uh, with any type of executive order is that essential activities of, or, or exempted from any order. So what you really want people to do who are engaged in non-essential activities, if you're out shopping uh, for uh, items that are not of need to protect and to support uh, your basic functions, then people should not be out. The one thing we do know about COVID-19 is that if you limit in person contact, you help to mitigate the spread of the virus that you have as a local elected official working with my county commissioner, uh, that was a bad path forward. But what I will say this, uh, I expect if this pattern continues in terms of spread and the increasing numbers, the CAP has the second highest number of confirmed cases in the state of Georgia, uh, we will uh, almost certainly have to take additional action.
0: Jim? Uh, Last night, uh, the governor uh, was explaining his decision not to order a, a statewide uh, stay-in-place order. And and, and and as you mentioned uh, at, the, at the front of the show, I mean, he, 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 he pointed out to uh, Jeff Davis County down in southeast Georgia uh, that they had not reported a single case. The problem with that is that is that there's been such a dearth of, of testing, not just in Georgia, but nationwide. You, know, you, you can't really say where the virus is and where it isn't. And ultimately, uh, you're going to have a situation like uh, uh, in Fannin County, which I believe is the the speaker's home county. You have Fannin County commissioners now wondering out loud whether they can bar uh, uh, outsiders from 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 Georgia, from from the coast, from Albany, from from Metro Atlanta, if they can bar outsiders from renting renting properties in Fannin County because uh, uh, who are trying to get away from the virus.
1: Yeah, uh, Sam, let me bring you into the conversation. Uh, you know, it's interesting that there is, does seem to be a balance in Governor Kemp's thinking here, much like what we're hearing more recently from President Trump, which is we don't want to destroy our economy completely uh, in, in in our effort to uh, save people from the spread of the virus. There There is something of a balancing act there. And Sam, I think it's interesting that even Governor Cuomo yesterday – Without talking about Georgia, said that if that his decision to lock down the entire state, he thought was made uh, at the moment was the best that at the moment it was made was the best decision for his state. But that as he reviews it now, he too might have looked at selective and targeted uh, efforts uh, to close down communities where the virus was very active and others where it wasn't. So it's interesting, Sam that um, while it seems like shutting down a whole state is the best way to go, and, and, ver- and epidemiologists are telling us that, there may be some reasons to think the governor's decisions are not completely wrong here.
3: Look, we, we have to um, give the chief elected official of each state discretion because they're receiving information from many more appropriate sources than we are. Uh, They're able to rely on uh, folks like Dr. Fauci as well as Dr. Toomey in Georgia, and one would hope that the governor is strongly listening to those voices in making their decisions. Uh, It's really easy to be a Monday morning quarterback in this area, but it, it seems to me that transparency is the most important feature. So when you have Governor Cuomo, for instance, each day doing that press conference, When you have Governor Kemp and Dr. Toomey uh, pretty much, at least every other day, uh, being on TV several times, I I think that's really what the public wants. They want the reassurance that our leaders are actively engaged in the discussion. Uh, You know, a lot of it is just using the bully pulpit. I I remember Mike Thurman's comment, well, if you have the curview and you you see someone out, are you going to arrest them? And, And CEO correctly said, no, I'm not going to fill up our jail with nonviolent offenders. So, you know, you use the bully pulpit to help the community's health response as best it can be. But at the end of the day, Governor Kemp's right. It's our responsibility to protect ourselves.
1: Mr. Speaker, um, I'm curious about the broader uh, messages that you saw and heard when you watched the uh, town meeting last night. We invited our uh, Political Rewind followers on Twitter to send us their thoughts about how it was unfolding. And one of the most frequently repeated concerns was that Kathleen Toomey, who who is a friend of this show, the Commissioner of Public Health, who was on the show earlier in the week, and we uh, 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 gave her some praise for the efforts she was making. But when she was asked... Uh, the question of how many ventilators did we have in the state uh, asked about other equipment that might be available. She uh, didn't answer that question and apparently wasn't able to. Um, And and I wonder when you heard the sort of lack of specificity on issues like that, and perhaps some of what the governor had to say, whether it concerned you.
2: Well, let me, let me say this about Dr. Toomey. I have, uh, I've come to have a great deal of regard for her and, 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 uh, I frankly think she is is doing uh, uh, a very good job uh, in this unprecedented time uh, you know in terms of 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 not being able to uh, you know come off with the exact number of ventilators uh, while she's on the air. Uh, you know I, 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 I feel very confident that there's somebody right outside in the hall that can get that information for her in a matter of seconds. Uh, so fair enough, uh, whether she can, 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 you know, bring that over during the interview is, 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 is not, uh, so much of a concern to me. Now, if nobody around her has it, then that's a altogether, uh, a different thing. Uh, but, um, you know, in terms of the broader messages, uh, Bill, uh, um, you know, to go back a moment and, and uh, uh, Mike Thurman, uh, who is one of the wisest people I know, made an excellent point that this is a statewide problem. Uh, and you know, to uh, I, I, I sort of take exception with the view that that if we have uh, uh, counties that don't have reported cases yet, that that somehow uh, uh, undercuts the need for a statewide policy. I represent a county, Gilmer, that has no reported cases but yet adopted a shelter-in-place uh, ordinance uh, uh, two days ago. Uh, uh, so uh, counties are, are, are looking to get ahead of this. Two, two points, I think, need to be made. One, that we're a very mobile state, uh, and that's getting left out of this discussion. You know, we have many, many Georgians that live in one community and work in another. Uh, and you had the lead off about uh, uh, Albany and Daugherty County. Uh, and you look around the number of people down there that live in Lee County and uh, the surrounding counties uh, uh, that work in Albany Um so we're a very mobile state. And, and, you know, if, if we have the virus, we're not going to leave it in the driveway when we leave to go to work each day. Uh, uh, and, and the other thing is I, I truly believe that, uh, the vast number of local governments in the state, uh, would like to be treated the same and, and would favor, uh, a, uh, a, a statewide approach, uh, um, I, I don't know. Mike Thurman may disagree with me, but uh, um, you know, if, if it really isn't fair that he uh, be allowed to uh, uh, drive a few minutes from his home to eat a steak that he can't eat in his uh, in his own jurisdiction. So, uh, um, you know, uh, this is, this is a you know a, a, a crisis like this does not end at the county line or at the city limit sign i mean it it truly encompasses the entire state
1: and jim this raises the question that we have, people have been asking for weeks now and and the pressure uh, governor kemp on which is uh, let, let's just let the other shoe drop and make this whole thing statewide
0: yeah yeah and uh uh but i think everybody is trying to cut him some slack uh, the only, if you talk to healthcare experts, public health experts, what they'll tell you there <laughs> is, is, is they, they are very, very worried about these, the, 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 asymptomatic carriers who are distributing the virus all over the state. Uh, and, and, and it's one of those situations where you're, you're making a decision now, and you don't know whether it's going to be the right one until two weeks from now or three weeks from now. That's, that's, that's yeah. the hardest part right,
4: of this. All
1: right, let's be, um. Yes, go ahead, Mike.
4: Well, and and what this really comes down to, and I think uh, and I understand the challenge that the government is facing, and it's one that we're facing at the local level and all local elected officials. Uh, first of all, it's whether or not you develop and promulgate policy based on actual data, which is confirmed cases, or whether or not you're looking at projections. If you really think about it and listen to what the scientists and medical leaders are really they're talking about projected infections and projected fatalities. The political side of the equation from the very beginning, we were developing and continue to develop policy based on actual cases. And even though I mentioned that the CAB has the second highest, but the CAB is not a hot spot. The hot spot is in Doherty County in Bartow County and some others, so you really have to look at infection rates on a per capita basis. Now, I think we're facing a game-changing moment for our nation. The reason I hesitated and did not want to do a blanket uh, shelter in place initially the same thing that Governor Kemp and other leaders have talked about, is the economic impact. Each one of these orders that I implement means that somebody won't have a job, and consequently food comes off the table. What Congress will do today, I hope, is Appropriate the money finally, so that there are extended, enhanced unemployment insurance benefits, there are increased uh, SNAP uh, food stamp benefits, and that will be money there to support men and women who've given their lives building small businesses. See, once that is in place, it makes it not easier, but at least it addresses real concerns that leaders have about economic impact. That's what. I think leaders and policymakers now have, it's a three-dimensional chest. I'm at the local level, but certain things have to happen at the state level and the federal level in order to promulgate policy that's going to have the greatest impact to mitigate the virus, but also mitigate the economic pain that's being meted out as a result of the virus. So with this legislation, I think it opens up the door for leaders to do a more blanket approach to uh, addressing, uh, uh, implementing uh, shelter-in-place uh, executive orders and/or ordinances. So that's different now. And, that-
1: and we'll be, and we'll be following uh, what happens in the House today when they uh, are expected to act on the uh, on this bailout package. I, I we only have the Speaker for a somewhat a uh, limited time, and I really want to make sure we cover an important story that developed last night. Uh, Jim, please uh, uh, weigh in as we ask the Speaker about it. Mr. Speaker, uh, we know, of course, that Brad Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, delayed the Georgia primary scheduled for uh, March 24th. It would have been just this week until May 19th, the date that the rest of the primaries on the ballot will be voted. Uh, And you now have sent a letter to him saying we really need to move it until the end of June. I think your date is no earlier then june 27th uh tell us why you think that's crucial
2: i don't think we're at a point uh and i'm not sure that when that we're going to be at one in in the in, in the next um, two or three weeks uh where we can look at georgians and say to them that we think it's uh that it's consistent with good health to go vote um look uh you know i i i've I commend it, and, and, and Secretary Raffensberger has a very, very challenging job, and I appreciate what he's doing. And uh, but um, uh, it really comes down to how do we safeguard the health of not only voters but poll workers, uh, uh, most of whom are in the age bracket that Mr. Uh, Jim Galloway and I are in, uh, and and. Uh, and elections officials, uh, uh, and so until we can assure them, uh, you know, it, it 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 looked to me that the this was a much better approach. Um, now I know that he is he uh, has has come with a um, an alternative of that uh, if we go with that date, uh, he's going to do he's going to mail an absentee ballot application to every registered voter in Georgia. Uh, but that, uh, that's not how we vote in Georgia, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, Georgians, uh, uh, even though more and more are doing early voting, but people go vote uh, uh, rather than mail in their ballots. Uh, I, I saw some data earlier this week. I think the was it in 2000, uh, 2018 that five to 7% uh, you know, voted by mail? Um, um, so you know, we, we took a look at what other states were doing and found out that uh, you know, the only states that uh, are, are moving ahead at, during the time period that our primary set set are places that are so different that we are in terms of population, in terms of mobility, Uh, And states like Idaho and Nebraska, uh, Oregon, which has had a history of uh, voting by mail. Um, You know, the states that are more comparable to Georgia, uh, Texas, uh, North Carolina, uh, Kentucky. um, um, I hesitate to say Alabama, but I will because they're one of them. Um, uh, They all have pushed their all already had the primary before this uh, uh, pandemic hit but they've pushed them off to June 23rd or later uh, in in a couple of instances or more they pushed it to July 14. Uh, I think we need to get to, uh, to a little bit further down the road before we ask people to vote in a primary that could still be we hope not we pray not, but it still could be at a time that it's uh, uh, that it's going to be a peril to people's health. Jim, the uh,
1: I think I'm correct that the Secretary of State is authorized to move an election no longer than 45 days after the original schedule. The Secretary of State has that individual power. But a proposal like uh, the speaker's making would require approval, right, from the legislature and the governor.
0: Right, right. Uh Mr. Speaker, in your in your letter to Brad Raffensperger, uh you you mentioned that there were legislative considerations that had to be addressed. Uh what were they?
2: Well, the the the, the legislative considerations are whether we're going to do a uh, a wholesale uh uh redo of how we vote in Georgia and 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 under what criteria. I think those are decisions that uh that the legislature, uh, it's more appropriate that they weigh in on. Uh, they make a determination about uh, uh, how we, uh, if we're going to do a, a mail-in voting system, uh, uh, how we set it up, how we fund it, uh, uh, you know, what criteria do we use, if any. Uh, I think those are our uh, considerations that are more properly addressed by the legislature than administratively.
0: Yeah, and it's it's actually bill one of the one of the concerns that I've heard expressed by candidates uh Democrats and and, and Republicans is that the, the this mail-in system because and this it, it gets to, down to the fact that we have an open primary system. You can vote democratic or republican as you choose Correct. each mm-hmm. year in and year out. So, Ravensburger is going to be mailing out Uh, ballot applications to voters voters will send those applications to individual counties the counties will send back the the ballot of choice to the voters and the voters will return the ballots to the county so that's four transactions by mail uh and and so 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 i'm picking up all these predictions that that voter turnout is really going to to suffer uh, in, in this election. I think we had maybe 800,000, uh, participate in 2016. Well, it's, and it's Sam, I want to get you,
1: uh, go ahead, finish that Mr. Speaker.
2: No, I, I, I did. I mean, voter participation is, 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 is already, uh, uh, suffering and, 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 uh, and as Jim points out, I think this, uh, uh, this is really going to be a kick in the head to it.
1: Sam, uh, you're the veteran of many state elections. Uh, If the Raffensperger uh, mail-in ballot, uh, using absentee ballots, it continues to be on the table, and that's the way we end up doing it, how do you think that changes the dynamics of the election itself, suddenly switching, as the Speaker points out, a state that is used to its voters going into the polling places? uh, how, How does it change the dynamics of a race, Sam?
3: Well, so 1st let let's take a step back and say that uh, everyone that had a campa- campaign plan hopefully now has a new one uh, because clearly it yeah. included, you know, but for a statewide potential campaign, it, it included door to door. It in- included town halls. It included Q&A with concerned citizens going to business associations, chambers of commerce, etc. None of that can really happen now. And even if you were to go on social media and say, I'm going to do a video town hall and you can send me your questions, it's just not the same. So if you're in a race with no incumbent or, you're, or if you're in a race where the incumbent is not popular, um, this is a whole new ballgame as to how you get people to understand the race exists in the first place. Um, I I share the concern that many people will throw that mail in the trash can, just as we do most of the rest of our mail. Uh, I also share the concern that a large number of our poll workers are 70 years old and above, and they're the last ones that need to be in those places at that time. I tend to then think the speaker's idea to, frankly, delay the election has a lot of merit. It provides the opportunity to, to frankly have a greater turnout. I, I share the concern that instead of 800,000, we may have 200,000. And that the, the vote, you know, it's one thing if you're a state where you always have a mail and your your folks are used to it, they're ready for it. But I think this will really depress voting.
1: Uh, you know, Mike Thurman, uh, Lauren Growargo, who, of course, has been associated with Stacey Abrams uh, from her gubernatorial <laughs> campaign on and now is uh – a leader at Fair Fight Action, raised an interesting point. Uh, she said young people have no idea what it would mean to vote by absentee ballot. Uh, they don't even understand what it means to use the mail or how to buy stamps. Uh, <laughs> maybe they need to learn more quickly. But nevertheless, she probably makes a, a, a point worth thinking about <laughs>
4: Oh, absolutely. I agree with the position that she's taken and others. Uh, this is extremely problematic. And it, I think we should look at it as local leaders and political leaders are being forced to make decisions based on essential and non-essential activities. Is it essential that these elections occur uh, in May as opposed to later? And if not, it needs to be delayed. I mean, that's that's the the, the fault line of every decision I have to make now, and not just myself, but leaders and public and private all across this state and all across this nation. And that same analysis that needs to be conducted on this issue as to when or if the, when the election might be held, if it's not essential, then it should be delayed. I go through that all day every so day. So could we...
1: So could we get you on the record on this, Mike, uh, assuming w- that the speaker, you know, we have no idea how the legislature takes this up, given that they're not able to meet. But uh, if the decab de- delegation came to you and said, what do you think about Speaker Ralston's plan to de- delay the election? You would s- suggest to them that you're all for waiting until later in June to do it?
4: Uh, you know, they they taught us in law school, never answer hypothetical questions. But, but in this case, I just think it makes more sense for various reasons uh, that's been stated uh, by Fair Fight, by the Speaker and others. It's extremely problematic. And the fact that one thing that was pointed out, it seems simple, that if the absentee ballots were sent out without stamps. So you're just creating a barrier of what if I don't remember a senior citizens and people are distracted. I'll be honest with you, people are focused on the basics, and I hate to say it, people want to live. People are trying to figure out how to survive the pandemic, and I'm not really following my mail as closely as I have been, to be quite honest with you. um, Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I'm sorry to interrupt you. I've got to get to a break, but before I do, I've got to ask you, Mr. Speaker, I know you have limited time. Are you... Can you stay for, like, a few more minutes after the break? Because talking about what's happening with the state budget and all this is is significant. On the other hand, I don't want to push you if you've got to move for, on for to no, other uh, for,
2: for, for you, I will. For you, I will, Bill. All
1: right. All right. Then we'll take a break right now and be back with more in just a minute on Political Rewind. We're back on Political Rewind, Jim Galloway, Sam Oldens, Mike Thurman, and Speaker of the Georgia House, David Ralston. Uh, Mr.
0: Speaker. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon.
1: For one quick question to follow up on what we were talking about, your uh, hope that we would move the primary. Am I correct that the Secretary of State, on his own or her own, uh, has the power to move an election uh, no more than 45 days after the date it was originally scheduled? Once it moves past that 45-day limit, the legislature and the governor have to approve. Have I got that right?
2: I think you are right on that. Um, I would... uh... Uh, I, I would defer to my good friend and learned uh, attorney, uh, former Attorney General Olens, but I, I think that is accurate.
1: Sam, are you? Do you know about what the the statute says about that?
3: Candidly, I haven't memorized that that statute, but I, I, it would make sense. But I I'm not able to give a definitive answer. Okay, okay.
1: Well, we'll we'll obviously be able to follow it, watch that. Um, Mr. Speaker, uh, let's talk about. Uh, just what damage the uh, shutdown of so much of business uh, in this state and the, and, and the country is doing to your budget. James Salzer, who follows the budget about as closely as any person uh, possibly could, has written, excuse me, a, cu- a couple of pieces talking about the negative impacts. One of the things he says, and I'd love to hear whether you agree with this, that revenues are falling so short and are projected to fall so short that you're contemplating whether or not you can even fulfill the budget requirements that take us through the end of the current fiscal year. That the supplemental budget taking us through June 30th is in some jeopardy. Is is that correct?
2: Well, it is in some some degree of jeopardy. Uh, uh, and I think there are things that we will be able to do to to uh, to get to June 30th. Uh, but I am concerned about that and I'm, but I'm also concerned about, uh, the fiscal year 21 budget, which, uh, begins, uh, sure. July one. Um, and, uh, I think you're going to see a, um, uh, when, when we go back in session, uh, and the suspension, uh, is, is lifted by the Lieutenant governor and me, um, uh, you're going to see a, a really, um, uh, uh a, a, a down-to-earth, bare-bones kind of budget. Uh, don't think you're going to see very many. Uh, of course, there's going to be debate about, you know, what needs to be in there, certainly. But, uh, you know, we debated a couple of things this past uh, or during the session before we suspended, you know, the teacher pay raise and the income tax cut. Uh, uh, and And, you know, those are... Both probably going to have to come out now, both of them, Um, and um, um, uh, because you know, I I think as one of the members of the panel said a few minutes ago, uh, we just as Georgians are having to do uh, in terms of trying to figure out how they're going to live and stay alive, uh, we've got to figure out as a state what do we need and what do we absolutely need uh uh a, 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 as a state government to uh run the state till we get back in session in uh, uh January of 21
1: how do you see it, this comparing with what go ahead jim go ahead you
2: no
0: know, i was just going to just going to underline the fact that i think we just made a little news there if 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 we're going to have to reconsider raises for teachers and uh income tax cuts yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Speaker, that I, I know both of those things are terribly important. One, the teacher pay raise certainly to the governor first and foremost, but your members obviously would love to be able to go back to their districts and, and uh, say they helped teachers get more money. And then you're very uh, committed, have been, to the uh, uh, additional cut in the income tax. So I think Jim Galloway's right. Those are big moves in and of themselves and and must be very disappointing at this moment mr speaker
2: well it is disappointing but we have to you know we got to focus on um uh, on, on what is absolutely essential uh i don't uh um, you know i'm I, you know i used uh, the 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 slogan during the session that republicans cut taxes um but um you know, I'm not sure that a tax cut in, in, in this type of emergency uh, is the wisest course to go. Uh, um, and I don't think that uh, giving a, uh, a huge pay increase to one group of state employees is a wise course to go. Um, and, you know, those two uh, items took up a lot of room in the budget uh, that we frankly may not have now so uh you know I'm not trying to make news I'm just trying to deal with reality here and and uh and 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 kind of lay out there what uh you know where we're going to be when we go back in
1: um Mike Thurman talk about how this impacts you in DeKalb County
4: Well absolutely uh it, it's interesting this year's budget and we have a calendar year, fiscal year, January to, to December. I fully expected a recession. So we built a budget with the expectations that there will be reduced uh, revenues. Unlike the state, we're not as reliant on sales tax as the state budget is, but at the same time, it's going to impact the uh, ad valorem taxes as well. What we did not, what I did not contemplate, was that we would have a recession fueled by pandemic. And so what we are doing is we had to reprioritize. Uh, two weeks ago, I met with my uh, executive team and had to really determine what is it that's a- absolutely essential. What services do we provide to citizens of DeKalb County that are absolutely essential? We started with water. And so we had to think about strategies around protecting our water treatment plan, uh, protecting the staff that works there. And then sanitation service and police and fire and those services. They're just things we're not going to do right now. On yesterday, I met with my uh, budget uh, director, and we had $3.4 million allocated for travel. Well, that ain't happening this year. And that money, with the approval and support of the Board of Commissioners, can be reallocated to support more critical needs and services. I want to say something, Bill, if you will. This germ... Is no respect to a party or socioeconomic status or religious affiliation. This germ doesn't care whether you're straight or or gay. So this is a moment in time where leaders at the state, local, and federal level have to rise to the occasion. People are literally dying, and the decisions we make or don't make will determine who lives and who dies. And that's how critical this is. And that is the kind of thinking, and that's the type of leadership that will get us through. Uh, One of the things, and I'll just say it, we need to depoliticize as much as we can. And, you know, I've been around, uh, speaking, I go back to the 20th century, so I know politics. But we need to depoliticize this, (laughs) move away from the ideology, and just think, what can we do that will have the greatest impact on saving the greatest number of people who might become involved? That should be the only imperative that uh,
1: drives us. It's an important message, Mike. Uh, Sam, you, as having been a county uh, chair for a long time, I, I was interested I, Mike Thurman talked to Bill Torpy for the AJC yesterday, and he just referred to it briefly here as well. But he, uh, Mike mentioned something that I hadn't given a lot of thought to. Uh, he pointed out the fact that if you don't keep the people who work in your water yeah. plants if you don't keep them healthy and keep them capable of getting in there and providing clean water to the community, there's, there's simply no more important single service than that. And Sam, I'd never given that a lot of thought until I heard Thurman talk about that.
3: Oh, it's huge. I mean, your water employees, your transportation employees become just as valuable as your public safety employees in time of emergency. And with regard to the, the budget... You run into a lot of issues because if you're paying everyone, whether they're working or not, those folks that are really working, and I'm not being flippant here, you know, those police officers, firefighters, water system employees, wastewater management employees, they're going to want more than single time. They're going to want time and a half or double time, which is an added kick to any local government budget. So any estimates that one had in the budget are gone due to this emergency. They're they're talking massive deficits. Can Can I
4: say follow up on what Sam just said? And see, one of the things that's different about this particular crisis, in the past, there may have been inclement weather where governments have shut down, it may be a hurricane or a tornado. What's different about this virus is that when men and women, whether they're sanitation workers or police, if they become infected, you don't leave it at the job. You can literally take it home to your family, and that is the huge concern that Sam just alluded to. This is not just regular government work. You literally put not just your health and safety, but this germ is potable. It can travel with you to your families, to your friends, and to that point, that work is not just regular work. It's hazard work. It's really combat pay. Because the president said one thing that I really support. We're at war. And America has to approach this as if we are at war. And so people on the front line, I think, deserve combat pay.
1: All right. Um, Mr. Speaker, I know I do want to be able to let you go. But before I do, I want to give you a chance to make any final uh, comments. And before we take our last break in the show, just if you want anything you want to sum up, we've been so pleased that you've taken all this time to be with us, but... Anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
2: Well, I, I want to share that thank you for having me on. And it's, uh, I always enjoy being, um, with you and, and, and with Jim Galloway and, uh, and with Sam Olin's a special treat to be with my longtime friend, uh, uh, Mike Thurman, who he and I do go back, uh, uh, a long, long way, uh. Uh, and he's a great, great leader, uh, as is Sam. Uh, you know, it's uh, 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 I, I think Mike made the point and I, I'll i just echo this as I have to leave you. Uh, it is time to put the politics aside. Um, you know, we were talking about the election there a while ago. I, I think the last thing people want to to deal with now is getting a robocall from a candidate or getting a a piece of hit mail in in their mailbox from a candidate. Uh, You know, they're trying to figure out how they're going to live and how they're going to have their families live. Um, And uh, I think it's a moment that goes beyond, above and beyond, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the sort of politics that has become fashionable um, uh, you know we've got to come together as a state uh, and I think we have uh, because uh, this is a, a problem that uh, uh, even under a best case scenario is not going to end <laughs> this weekend or in a week or two um, uh, but uh, with God's help we'll get through it so uh, thank you very much
1: Thank you, Speaker Ralston, uh, for being with us today, and uh, we wish you, as we do all other state and local officials, in, in, in your abilities. We wish you well in helping get, guide us through what we're dealing with. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way and come back for more on political rewind. <music> Jim Galloway. Uh, one of the final things the speaker said was this isn't a time when people want robocalls. They don't want attack hit pieces coming at them in direct mail. I think that uh, most political uh, people, most candidates kind of get that right now intuitively. But I couldn't help but wonder if to some extent that's not a message that the speaker is sending out to his incumbents who are going to be running for reelection, trying to make sure they get that.
0: Oh right. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 keep in mind this is a it has been a competitive situation the, the house is, is is uh the the Republicans have a 15-seat advantage right now. Uh and 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 look, I think we're in a situation where the where the the two messages that are going to reson, resonate over the next uh, four months are going to be just two things, healthcare and and the economy. That's it. It boils down to that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Sam Olins,
1: um we're really running short on time, but, you know, Mike Thurman, uh, David Ralston, everybody talks about it's time to put partisan politics aside and deal with this as a, a, a united people. But the reality is, Sam, this has been politicized. There is partisan a, a, a partisan divide over all this. And it, it just occurs to me that even in the face of a worldwide virus We are still entrenched in our camps. Or do you think I'm overly negative?
3: I think you're overly negative. I think there have been a couple of comments that were accentuated by the media. But I think overall, both parties, leaders have frankly lowered the rhetoric and have sought to overtly find ways to work together. The the speaker was was totally right. CEO Thurman's totally right. You know, drop the damn partisanship and let's sit there and save lives.
1: Mike Thurman?
4: Well, uh, thanks. And let me tell you, the town hall last night, when you had all the major network TV stations, the radio stations, we know how competitive Atlanta is Atlanta's broadcast market is. That was a powerful message. That message was just as maybe more powerful than what was said, although what was said was important. And uh, Theron Johnson pointed it out to me. The fact that these major networks, volumes as to the seriousness of what we are facing. And I think we need to acknowledge that and thank the owners and the leadership from our major, major media outlets for the donating time to address this crisis.
1: All right. Mike Thurman, you get the last word in today's show. Um, Mike Michael Thurman, uh, Sam Olins, Jim Galloway, and, of course, Speaker Ralston, who left us a couple minutes ago. I'm so grateful that you were all part of Political Rewind Today, um, and I want to tell you, I continue to get emails from all of you telling me how you're doing out there, and I, I really appreciate them. I'm going through them this weekend, and I'll try to reply to as many as I can. But one of the things I have to say is, many of you have said that you think the fact that we continue uh, covering this story on the air every day has, has been important to uh, how you stay in touch with uh, the real world <laughs> beyond our isolation, and for that, I'm, if that's in fact true, I really feel good about the fact that we're still on the air every day. As we will be next week, Jim Galloway will be with me on Monday as we continue another week of Political Rewind. I hope you all have a safe, secure weekend. See you on Monday.